Let me ask you to take just 10 seconds and think to yourself, what is the biggest issue affecting our world? What is the biggest issue affecting our world right now? Maybe for some of you, you thought climate change. Others start, thought starvation. Someone else named corruption. Maybe the war in Ukraine, homophobia, racism, ignorance and anti-intellectualism, late stage capitalism, or myriad other issues. All of these issues, some of these issues may have come to your mind, but whatever came to your mind, it didn't take long to think about. Why? Because it's big. It's a big issue, like really big. Like big enough if I asked you, can we solve X issue? You'd say, probably not. Or if I told you, you're going to fix that issue. You'd first laugh, chuckle to yourself, being polite to me, which I appreciate. But then you'd listen to me and I'd say, well, I'm serious. And then you'd be polite again and ask, are you feeling okay? Why? Because we see those previous big issues as massive undertakings, complex problems. They're time-consuming, resource-exhausting, and outright difficult. They're huge issues, while we are but individuals. One out of billions on this earth, mostly average, no superpowers, not extremely influential, and definitely not the strongest. We honestly also have our own problems going on, and we're barely dealing with those. And the last thing we need is to try and fix the whole world on top of our own stuff. And I've thought to myself, I bet Jesus' disciples have felt this same pressure. I mean, really, how many times did Jesus tell them, you are more than fishermen, you are fishers of men, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light in a dark world, you are dot, dot, dot. And it sounds cute to us now, but I can imagine the disciples thinking, that's a lot of pressure. I, I just dealt with the cut on my finger that almost killed me, right? There's a whole drought this year. There's a famine going on. We're a little hungry. I, we have a baby on the way. What, what time can we deal with the big issues? Jesus, you're looking at us. We're lowly people. We don't have power. We don't have prestige. We're not the influencers. And you're looking at us to fix the world. On top of all my personal issues, Jesus wants me to do what now? And this man is talking in riddles? We're still under the rule of the Romans. And then you tell me that yours and God's kingdom is like this little old seed or a gram of yeast, perhaps. Not the most encouraging compassion, comparison, Jesus. So really, how are we supposed to deal with the personal issues, the family issues, the community issues, the church issues, these real world issues, plus the bigger issues impacting our world? Maybe you're wondering the same. Feeling a sense and a call to some sort of justice work, whether it's activism or equity and inclusion or caring for your neighbors or peacemaking or teaching or volunteerism or serving, but to what end when you know that deep down you won't end hunger? You won't stop pollution. You won't end a war. You won't eradicate poverty because you're just one cog in the wheel. 
Friends, how do we reconcile the call to do this work with the harsh reality that this work will always exist? Allow me to share just three thoughts lifted from this short or little passage on how we can deal with this tension. First, we have to start small. There's an old saying that if you pray to move a mountain, be prepared to pick up a shovel or some variation thereof. And theological implications of faith and works aside, there's something to this idea of starting small, going bit by bit, piece by piece, one step at a time. Jesus could have shared with these disciples a great story of a hero against all odds, maybe in this drought or a famine, bravely weathering some sort of turmoil and storm, bravely going to harvest food for some starving village or community and saving the day. But the star in Jesus' story is actually a mustard seed, likely black mustard, which was common in the Middle East. It was sown by an average person doing their average farming for survival. And the seed doing its average everyday job of growing, which takes months before it's ready to harvest, years before it turns into a tree. Jesus' story about a mustard seed is quite plain and outright boring. It's uneventful. I doubt we'll see it be made into a major movie, some best-selling book, or even an award-winning TV show. Why? Because it centers the average, the plain, a seed, a small object, and the act of planting is just a little thing. But Jesus knows the power of starting small, even when we don't. In fact, I find myself agreeing with author David Lamott, who in his book, World Changing 101, argues that particularly in America, small efforts don't make it into our stories, our movies, and our books. Instead, we opt for the tales of great heroism, a singular hero picking up the gargantuan task, doing the big job and saving the day. But Lamont's prime example of this idea is how we talk and teach about the Montgomery bus boycotts from 1955 to 56. We're typically taught that it was Rosa Parks, a little old lady, tired after working, some spur of the moment, refusing to give up her seat in the front white section of the bus to a white man and her being arrested, and that's what sparked the boycott. A single hero doing one big act and we look and say, I could never do that big thing. When in reality, first of all, Rosa Parks was only 42 when it happened. Call that old if you want. <laughs> but secondly, she was already an activist before the boycott even began. She even served as the secretary to the NAACP and was part of an intentional, intentionally devised plan for the boycott. She took years of training, years of work, years of study, years of practice, day in and day out, little by little, to start a movement that still took hundreds of folk doing their part, individually average folk choosing to participate, doing the little things of carpooling with those in their neighborhood. Some others printed flyers at their job and others made phone calls. Why? Because starting small is actually how you initiate long-lasting change. What am I getting at? My point is that you don't have to be the superhero with some kind of great power and that great overcomability or big influence. Just start average every day and small. Like the farmer sowing a mustard seed 
that day by day, little by little, centimeter by centimeter, grew into a tree that could reach heights of up to eight feet tall. Start small. I think of every time I've entered some kind of room um, for an event, some kind of event space, and notice that everything's not quite set up. Maybe I'm a little early, right? It's not my event. It's not my uh, convention, my, my conference, whatever it is. It's not my responsibility to fix it, but I can change it. I can start small. I might grab a chair or two to help out, maybe push a table here and there. And what happens when you start small? Others see what you're doing. They too, grab a chair, push the table, ask can I help. We join in together, each doing our small part in a bigger picture. So, what are the small things that we do to make a big and lasting impact? What is the little thing you can do, that we can do, that your circle can do, that your church can do? It takes dozens, hundreds, thousands, even millions of singular, average, everyday small acts to make one big, lasting impact. As the choir is saying, it takes an entire village just to raise one. But each of us are responsible for our one small act. To answer the call and respond to these huge issues, yes, we have to start small, but secondly, we also need to be able to shift our focus from fixing to changing. From fixing to changing. After comparing the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed, Jesus draws in this comparison of yeast and flour, or more specifically, a little yeast and three big measures of flour, baking is a beautiful art, an everyday example of a chemical reaction. It's literally a transformation, but too often instead of transformation, we focus on what needs fixing instead of what can change. We focus on the question, can I as an individual fix this? We usually answer realistically, no. Then we wash our hands of the matter and do nothing. But if we were to ask ourselves a different question, can I change this? Can I change something about this? Then our answer would be a resounding yes. The fixing questions lead to stagnation. The change questions leads to motivation. Realize that changing is not fixing. And if humans aren't good at anything else, we're good at changing the world we live in. Why? Because it really doesn't take much. By existing, you are changing the world, whether you intend to or not. So why not make it count? Why not be the change agent, the yeast in an unleavened world? Yeast doesn't fix flour dough or even fermented beverages, but yeast spurs a reaction, change, and transformation. That change starts with something small. You can't fix world hunger, but you can provide one meal. You can't end world poverty, but you can call your elected officials. You can't stop climate change, but you can set an example of sustainability at your workplace. You can't be like Jesus, who heroically 
willingly sacrificed his life on the cross, but you can't be like Jesus who changed the status quo in the everyday and sat with the vulnerable. We can be like the Jesus who didn't fix the strife between the Jews and the Samaritans, but changed his path and intentionally walked through Samaria. We can be like the Jesus who didn't fix the world hunger, but changed the disciples' routine that they would prioritize to feed those who followed him. There's so much that we cannot outright fix, but we can make some kind of change, a change in our routine, a change in our norm, a change in our mindset. All it takes, all it takes, all it takes to change is just a little yeast to change three large measures of flour. All it takes is a little of you to change how much more of our world. Last but not least, after we focus on the small things, after we understand that change does not equal fix, we have to see the potential. It's not by coincidence that Jesus uses a single mustard seed in his story or specifically a little yeast when talking about the kingdom of heaven. Both were fairly commonplace at the time, nothing too special, small in quantity and size with much larger impacts because both seeds and yeast are inherently full of potential. There's room to grow. There's time to change. There's limitless possibility. But when we focus on the negative, the enormity of a situation, the hard parts, we quit before we've even started. Even Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, meaning that there's still much work to be done in our world and very few to do it. But I don't believe he shared this to shut us down, but to build us back up. It wasn't a word of caution, but it was a word of motivation. Yes, there's space for you to make a difference. Yes, there's time for you to make an impact. Yes, you can change the world, but you have to want to see the potential in the first place. Every time you feel small and insignificant and unremarkable, remember that you are uniquely you, wonderfully and fearfully made. You're one out of seven plus billion people on this earth, and you individually may not be able to do a big thing, but you can do the little things. Little things, friends, still have power. That's why you can easily survive a single bee sting, unless you're allergic, but could die from a swarm or a hive, allergic or not, you can easily squash a single ant, but if each little individual ant does their one seemingly insignificant job working together, they can take out the largest mammals on this earth the same way that your whole day can be ruined by the little things, losing your keys, stubbing a toe, being late for an appointment, forgetting something, your phone battery dying, or a million other little things. I also believe that the little things can make your day. That random compliment from a stranger, a surprise call from a friend, a discount on a major purchase, free food. Amen. A funny video, a great workout, or your loved one sitting behind you in support while you're being asked the most irrelevant and time-wasting questions before your confirmation. It's the little things. 
It's the little things that have great potential to make your day and better yet to make someone else's. You can pay for their coffee. You can send a thank you note. You can offer a free ride. You can give them some free food. You can be that shoulder when someone is mourning or, or crying. I know it's the little things from wearing jeans in the pulpit sometimes to help guests feel welcome or raising your voice above the bile of bigots to tell a vulnerable person, hold your head up. How can we change this world? How can we start with the small things and focus on change, not fixing, and see the potential in all we do? It's the little things. Will you give up before you even start? Because the, the job is too big, too hard, too exhausting. Or will you start with the small things and make changes and see the potential in the little things? Amen.